Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo, and we are already having a great time in our studio. Just going to call it a studio because our guest today is in a phenomenal studio and we're going to act like we're sitting right with him in his <laughs> studio. We have Stephen Rudolph today from Multiple Natures International, but way more fun is his website, feedyourtigers.com. Feed your tigers. We're going to be talking about what in the heck does that mean today? And I know we're going to be diving into a lot of stuff about brilliance, which is why I was so excited that Stephen's coming on because we don't get to have a lot of conversations about brilliance because we all keep having to reset and rise. And now we're diving into talking about our brilliance and all the different things. So Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, so let's, okay. I want to dive into so many things with you, but I'm going to put myself on pause. I did increase my decaf coffee this morning. So I am not like going too insane about this interview. Let's talk about the name of your company, Multiple Natures International. Tell, tell us where that comes from and what it's about. Sure. So one of the things that's interested me over the years is what makes people unique. What makes people unique? What makes them, to use the brilliant term, what makes people uniquely brilliant? And I noticed that certain people had certain qualities that really would shine. In other words, some people were excellent at administration. They just had this knack for it. It came naturally to them. Other people had this knack for, like in my case, education. Like I got a part-time job like to pay the bills way back when as a teacher. And in my first class, it was like, oh, my God, I know how to do this. And <laughs> within like half an hour, it was like, you know, I heard the voice from the sky, you know, like I wanted to be a rock star before that. It's like, you know, you're not a rock star. You're a teacher. <laughs> and and I knew it and I could do it. And so some people have that brilliance in in uh, being an educator. Others for others, it's adventure. They take risks and that's where they really shine or uh, in enter being entertaining, being funny and, and being out there. And so. I was curious about like, what is it and why is it like that? And I won't go into the entire story, um, but I took a 21 year trip to India. I didn't know it was going to be 21 years old when I, when <laughs> I first went. Wow. You had a lot of pack for <laughs> that. That's a lot to pack for. I came, I came back with less stuff than I went with. Um, <laughs> but but um, it, it was sort of my exploration into this space, like what makes people unique? I wanted to like make a school. I made a school like when I got to India and the whole idea was everybody would understand their uniqueness. That was the spirit that I went with. And so while I was there, I studied with some of these traditional scholars who knew Sanskrit and things like that. And they broke it down for me and I was able to access some really, you know, old wisdom about what makes people unique. And then I took that information and I, I basically identified a number of different what I 
called natures that people have. These are some of the ones that I've mentioned. A protective nature, those people who want to prevent harm, loss, injury, and justice, and they're out there fighting the good fight for clients or for social causes or uh, to protect the ancient languages, you know, they're fighting for something. There's um, the educative nature, an administrative nature, a creative nature where people shine just by innovating. And we have all of these qualities, but some people have and I call them tigers is what I call them, right? So we have all these tigers, but some people's tigers are bigger than others. And so I identified nine of these. And there, there's a whole nother set of them that I developed, but I'll just focus on these for now. And that's where the word multiple natures comes from, which is that we each have a different nature. And there are these little sub qualities that kind of make up our, our whole nature. So there's like the nature with the big N, which is our nature, our unique combination of these smaller natures or these these tigers that sort of fit into that. So that's where multiple natures came from. You know, I really that's love nice. the idea that you're calling these natures because sometimes when we talk about brilliance, people think it needs to be a particular skill. Like you have to mm. be good at math or you, you know, you have to know how to um, I don't know, for, for, for whatever, you have to, to know how to do a skill. And it's really deeper than that. It's, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's an inner drawing towards a certain, like a, a, a nature, a thing that you are good at, but that has a lot of subsets to it. Yep. And therefore, a lot of applications. And this is where Kristen and I always talk about this transferable skill thing. So when you look at it as a nature and you look at all the things that are within that, that maybe are skill sets, the, the way that you can apply that is, is almost limitless in all sorts of different areas, correct? Absolutely. So I look at natures, I call them tendencies, how you tend to be, behave, how you tend to organize or to direct your energy. So when you walk into a, a situation, a circumstance, what do you do? Like there's a room of people. Do you start going up and introducing yourself and getting into conversations? Do you stand back and just sort of like watch people and look at them? Do you try to make people comfortable? And, you know, are you, you know, so where does your energy go to when you enter into any situation, if it's in the office or if it's uh, or if it's in the work that you do? And the thing that drives you, and this is totally unconscious, is is your natures. These are actually driving you whether you know it or not. And so when someone comes up to you and asks you directions, some people will go into great depth. Just you have to go here and then you have to and then you turn and you're going to see a sign that and they give you so much information. That would be in like an educative nature. Like you can't stop yourself from going into all those details. There'll be some people with what I call a providing nature. That's that tendency to give and serve to. They'll be like, oh, come with me. I'll take you there. So that's like a whole different way that you would root your energy. Right. Um, so just to give you an idea how these flavors work and the skills are what develop on top of that. So if, if you have, what you do, a very powerful, and I'm talking to you, Mary, Mary Fran and, and Kristen as well, um, a, a powerful, a very big educative tiger, right? It's just, it just oozes, right? You can see it. So you can also, on top of that nature, develop skills in curriculum design or lesson planning or creating programs. So those are skills that you develop on top of this nature. And so it's like, if you've got a huge foundation, a huge tiger, and you build skills on top of that, well, that's where you can be uniquely brilliant. That's where you can, you, you can, as using your words, em, embrace really embrace that, um, embrace that, um, that superpower. And, and you're not nearly as limited when you've got a, a smaller tiger 
and you're trying to build a you know monstrous monstrous castle or building on top of that and it's it's just not enough of a foundation to do so that's where people get it wrong you want to hear something funny let two weeks ago i was i moved my oldest son down to florida he's got his dream job at disney corporation and we were meeting people in uh well it used to be called downtown disney i forget what it's called now some disney, other name disney with all the springs. shops and the restaurants disney springs. Yeah, disney springs. Springs, yeah. and i of course could not sit still long enough while he was hanging out with all these people i mean they're all 22 year olds right so i was kind of making my way around we all had to meet at this bus we were going to go see the fireworks well that place is like it's triple the size since the last time I was there, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Where they were, where they were like, my son was describing on the phone where to go. No clue. I'm looking at all this stuff. So anyway, there's a guy like sweeping, cleaning up with his little broom and everything that works there. So I asked him where this thing was. I had to get to, and he was the, let me take you with me. And I gotta tell you, Stephen, I, he was one of the most most dynamic, fantastic people I have talked to in a long time. In our 10 minute walk, he was unbelievably positive and happy and his whole brilliance just came through in walking me to where I needed to go. It was, and he was so in joy of what he was doing in his life. That's the sign. You just use the right, you use like the, the golden word here. You know when you're, because people ask me this question, how do you know which of your tigers is, is a big one? How do you know which of your natures is, is dominant, et cetera? You know it when you do that activity and you feel joy doing it while you're doing it. Not just like fantasizing about it. Like for example, some people say, oh, I want to be an influencer, but they don't have an entertaining, a, a large entertaining tiger. And so if you put them in front of the camera or they're practicing, they're uncomfortable, they're, they're, not, they're not good at it, they make a huge effort, but the results don't come back. So while they're doing it, it's sheer pain for them. Hmm. It's kind of like wearing a shoe that's too tight on your foot. You know, it might look good, it might be expensive, right? But it's just pinching your feet and you just can't wait to get it off. So this example that you're giving of this person, he, he's experiencing that joy every moment while he's bringing you there. It's like feeding his tiger. So that's the feed your tiger part. I got you. That's so feed your tiger. You, okay. you feed your tiger when you engage in your brilliance, basically. Exactly. That's it. Oh. Exactly. I just love this because, you know, this concept of brilliance is somewhat nebulous because we live in this, you know, very logical, okay, here's a math problem, find the answer. You know, we, we live in that kind of a world where we're looking for very specific terms and solutions and answers to things. And this is more um, experiential in terms of you have to experience this, you have That's... to feel this. And I, and I think there's been a disconnect between what people think are their skill sets and what they feel in their nature. So what you're attempting sure. to do is tell people how to join those two things. Absolutely. In some cases, it's possible to get your bigger tigers into your profession. Let's just say something like that. So if, if you're doing work as an educator and you're in front of groups and you're writing content. So if you've got tigers that are educative, creative, one that I call intrapersonal. So if you're doing like a personal development, all of those linguistic, all of those would be, it would be like pairing together a team of really super big tigers. And, and let's, I would love to just use your terminology first brilliant and the second resilient or resilience. So the brilliant, what does it mean? It means to shine. 
if we think about when someone says that's that's a, a star there it's a superstar a rock star so stars are celestial bodies that that shine they give off light but they also have gravity they attract so when we talk about things like abundance and the law of attraction and all those kind of things that's what it actually means so when a person is situated in themselves when they're aligned with their tigers at that point there's a harmonization there's a resonation there are frequencies that are actually going out that other people are you know i'm on your wavelength i'm you know i'm totally with you and that's that's the brilliant part of it that's the it's not just like light like that but it's the it's that that power that's coming out that people are resonating with. So to me, that's what the, the brilliant part is. And here's a, just another tidbit that's really interesting. The word guru that we've heard before so many times, many people don't know this, but the word guru, one of the meanings is heavy, but not heavy in the sense, just like, you know, of like a, a rock, but, but having gravity, like weighty, like, whoa, man, that's heavy. So somebody who is an expert in their area, they're situated in themselves, whether it's like a teacher or not, it could be, you know, a security guard, or it could be this person who's guided Kristen to where they're going. That person is, is situated in themselves and is in that sense, in that moment, a rock star is brilliant, is giving off that, that vibration that way. That's what it means to me. That's what I've understood. So that's the first part. I love it. I love this gravity thing. I have to tell you, Mary Fran and I were both teachers. And when I'll never forget when I was teaching in a really, really, really tough school um, in my 20s, I was teaching third grade. And I was like, that's when I realized, I think I'm meant for something else. I, I planned my whole life to be a teacher, but I was the third grade teacher and the kids in the fourth and fifth grade were purposefully getting kicked out of their classes to come into my class. <laughs> I was, the principal goes, it's like a Broadway show every day. <laughs> You never know what's going to happen. And people would walk by to hear all the crazy things. But I was like, I think I did look at it as I was producing a Broadway show. But then I was like, oh, and then when I found speaking, I'm like, oh, this, this is like, like we, were, we have a big speech this afternoon, Mary Fran and I, and I'm like, I just, I can't wait to tell them all the things I know with this whole brilliantly resilient thing. But also this is Mary Fran. And I talk about this all the time that this Brilliantly resilient is so our brilliance because we get so fired up and lit up when we talk about these things and talk with people about all of this. It's like, it's like our whole life of all this shit show that's happened. <laughs> it's coming into brilliance right now. Yeah. And it's also important to realize that brilliance doesn't necessarily mean having to be showy. It certainly can. And like in a case like yours, where you're a teacher and, you know, as the, the quote goes, something like uh, teaching is, um, you know, 25% education and 75% drama or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So to be a teacher in today's world means to have to compete with YouTube and or social mm -hmm. media and whatnot. So assert having a big entertaining tiger along with an educative tiger is absolutely an asset. But I want to also point out that somebody who has, let's just say, a small interpersonal tiger, they're not really, in, they're not really like interacting much with other people. Um, they're not entertaining at all. They're not creative at all. You know, that, that creative tiger is also a small one. But they're highly protective, for example, and let's say highly visual. So they're really good at protecting and visual. This person could be a rock star at, um, if, you, if you look at um, the airport uh, baggage check, you know, every bag that goes through, it's like, zzz, zzz. they're like the Terminator. 
And so they, you don't see you don't see their brilliance coming out, but in the space of what they're doing, they are totally brilliant. It's incredible what they're what they're because they are experiencing and feeling it and doing that and doing that work. So what I want to also point out is here, brilliant doesn't necessarily mean you have to show it out. And that's a big misconception because I see too many people trying to become influencers and go out there and having to be something that they're not. Mary Fran talks about this um, quite extensively about ending our addiction to, to awesome, um, about people trying to be brilliant in areas where they don't have those tigers. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that, that, that can be made. You can be a, a librarian and just be the most brilliant librarian, but really, really quiet and non-script. So I want, I want that to, to come out. And if I can, I want to also talk about this word resilient because it doesn't get enough playtime in the world. To me, resilient means when I have a big tiger, right? Everybody's going to get challenges. The world is going to throw curveballs and all sorts of problems at us and chaos and make life challenging for us. But where I have a big tiger and I'm challenged and I'm thrown off my chair, I spring back with a huge, I land on my feet with some of the most intense and insane challenges that come to me. If it's something which is educative or I have to do something, you know, sometimes someone will say, um, Stephen, the, the speaker hasn't come yet and uh, we have to like kill five minutes uh, or whatever. Could you just like address the audience and say something, just say anything, right? So being, having tigers that are big and entertaining and somewhat linguistic, I would say sure and step up to the mic and I would just, and a bit adventurous, I would wing it and I could do it. But if somebody doesn't have that entertaining and linguistic and adventurous and, and let's say a bit creative, they're, they, they would die. They wouldn't oh, be able to do it. That's my daughter. Oh my God, I can just envision her turning green. She would just die. She doesn't have that tiger, but my sons do. Well, yeah. and you know, you raise an incredibly interesting and valuable point to this idea that it doesn't have to be loud and big and showy all the time because we live in a world that is full of noise and something is always trying to grab our attention. And people feel like they have to play on that playing field, even if it's not where they're comfortable. And, yeah. you know, Kristen and I have said, you know, your, your, your brilliance could be that you're a great baker and the entire world, your whole family, everybody knows that your cakes are amazing. And you're so, so I think it's so important that people get to understand that you don't have to be tap dancing on Broadway to show your brilliance, number one. And number two, here's another question that I wanna ask of you. So now I'm in a situation where my brilliance, my tiger is not necessarily the one that's gonna solve, help, whatever the situation. How do you draw in somebody else with their tiger? Like, how do you, because I would imagine that, I don't know if tigers are solitary or pack animals, but I would imagine a pack of tigers all doing their stuff could be really yeah. powerful. That's, I mean, that's like the the art of engaging your tigers and engaging, which is not just engaging your tigers effectively, but exactly what you've said. To understand what the situation needs and then to bring the tigers to the situation. Mm. Where you've got yours, you bring them. In some cases, you might have smaller tigers and guess what? You don't really have the chance to, it might be short, you might be short on time. You can't recruit somebody or enroll somebody to help you. And you've got to tough it out. Well, in those situations, you need to know that. 
that I'm going to have to like tough this one out. And I know that my linguistic is not my, one of my biggest, but I'm going to have to push forward with it. Of course, if it's a situation, which is something which regular, like where you encounter it on a regular basis in the office or, or someplace, or maybe in um, your community, that's where you will have the time to look at a colleague or a boss or um, somebody else and say, Hey, listen, my linguistic is pretty powerful, but my creative is not one of my, my strengths. And I need to write an article and I'm just not getting stuck. Could I, you know, insource some of your creative energy? And there you go. I mean, that would be like very quick example. It's unfortunate that there's too much emphasis placed on having to be a lone wolf and mm. have, and it's, it's, it is, what's the word? We, we tend to um, idealize that, that it's like the, the superhero, the super person, man, woman, whoever, um, that when they do it all by themselves, then that's what makes them great. And it's, in my opinion, it's very much the opposite. When I see the job that needs to get done, the greatness is when I can look at situation and see who's got which tigers and then enroll people to get that done. And there's a beautiful line that comes from the Tao Te Ching. It says that the master gets the job done without lifting a finger. Oh, I love that. And oh, that sounds like my and- middle child. <laughs> <laughs> my middle son is exactly, you know, it's interesting. I'm listening to you talking. It's, it's firing all of my neurons about this topic that I talk about a lot with people with disabilities. The world has looked at them as, as less than, and, and small tigers where they have such a, a, a my boys specifically and the people that I deal with in the blind community have such a unique way because they've had to for survival, seeing who's got the big tigers that they need to call in to, to help them. And people look at, at asking for help as, as such a negative. And I see it as such a positive and you can get there faster when you bring in other people, but especially bring them in with their big tigers that you don't have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you get people to, I mean, this is what you do. How do you get people to recognize their tigers and then, you know, initiate that and, and ingrain that in their daily lives and how they go about moving forward after that? So I have two ways. One is more like a general approach, which I can explain. And then the other is I made an assessment that you can take, which is on my site. It's feedyourtigers.com. So there's an assessment that talks about the 19 tigers and it will help you to figure those, oh, cool. figure those out. But the, but just for the here and now to make it, e- to make it easy, you don't even have to like know the tigers in specific. You can also think about it generally. And I ask people to ask themselves these questions. What is it that I'm naturally attracted to? Like the things that I gravitate toward that nobody has to push me and I'm sort of like self-motivated to. So that's an indication, number one. Number two, what is the thing that when I do it, I get fully absorbed in that and I forget about time and hunger and thirst and stuff like that. So that's also another really great indicator question you can ask yourself or not just the thing because it's things. There are many, there are multiple tigers here, multiple natures. Another is that, 
look at myself historically. What things have been like this for me all of my life? So when I was young, if I talk about an interpersonal tiger, was I always like this? Um, or if it's my entertaining tiger, was I always like this? Because sometimes people aren't sure. And one, because the, the tigers don't change much over the course of your life. They might change imperceptibly, but not a lot. And so that's another question that you could ask. So those are just some quick questions, ways that you could you could also figure that out. It's really funny that you're saying this because as soon as you said that, I'm flashing back to when <laughs> when I was, I don't know if I was a Girl Scout or what the heck I was, and there was some kind of an event that we were at and they picked me to MC it as a kid. And I was like, I was so into that. And people were like, yeah, you did a great job. And, and it's exactly that, that at that very young age, that felt comfortable to me. Right. That was a that was a almost a safe spot where I didn't have to um, I didn't have to worry about not feeling grounded. And maybe that's another part of it. You feel grounded when you're in that space. Yep. Absolutely. It feels like home when you're there. So the same way when I mentioned the first time I taught, I was like, oh my God, I already know this. So that's what a nature is. Exactly. You, you feel grounded, you know it, you're drawn to it. You do it with ease. Um, another thing is like other people typically compliment you on that. Like, as you just said, oh, you were great. You hear that a lot. You'll know that. Like if, you, if you're trying to do something and you're trying to be brilliant in a particular area and you're doing it for a long time, you don't hear compliments coming back. That's definitely something that you need to think about. Do like something why? else. <laughs> Pick something else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be that. You, you just need to feed the tigers and get joy out of like you've got so many of them to choose from. So like why try to, you know, do gymnastics, gymnastics and contort yourself it's, when, when there so could be an funny. easier way. I'm thinking about I was with that's my so huge. The whole idea of joy. The what? No, I said the whole idea of joy. People think that and Kristen and I, again, we talk about this all the time. Everything you're saying is hitting so many touchstones with us. It doesn't have to be blood, sweat, and tears. Like people think if it's not really hard work, then it's not valuable. And just the opposite is true. It's most valuable when you're working in that place that brings you joy. Yes. Yeah. And as I said before, um, you're going to face challenges. And so even if you've got a big tiger uh, in, in whatever it is that you're doing, let's say it's an administrative tiger that you have that's really big and you're a manager and you're doing a lot of like organizing, things like that. So you're going to have problems. You're going to have challenges that are going to come to you in the projects that you're, if it's an event or whatever it is. Um, but that's where the resilient thing comes. And when you get those problems and there is some work involved, you bounce back and you do these like incredible things. And people go, oh, my God, how did you do that? And it was just like, oh, I'm just doing my thing. But that would not come to another person who's not like doesn't have a tiger that's as prodigious. So that's that's where the resilience comes in. And that's where the, it looks like hard work, but it's actually not. And But for someone else, it would be. But for someone else, it would be, exactly. That's that's it. That's the hard work that people suffer from. When uh, this weekend I was with my parents for Father's Day and they love to bring up when, cause I was complaining about my daughter not wanting certain jobs and stuff. And I, my best friend for my whole life, when you want to talk about her tiger waitressing, she just lit up. She loved, and she's still like that with my kids, loves serving them, bringing them the, the things that the food that they love. And she takes them out to restaurants. She loved it. I 
wanted to shoot myself when I tried it for one hour with her. And what I did was it was a place that had a salad bar. So I encouraged everyone that I had to wait on to get the salad bar. And then I would sit at their table, meet the family, talk to the people. You know, I was like, I love the, the whole conversation, getting to know people. I love being in interviews, you know? And then they were like, my friend goes, you can't do that. Like you have to go fill the ketchup when you don't have anything to do. And I'm like, don't they have people for that? And she was like, yes, you. <laughs> and I'm like, but then I got a sales job where I was like selling newspapers on the phone. I won every sales competition because I was talking Kristen, to people. Your sound's in going in and out. Your sound oh. is going in and out. We're losing you. That's why we're, we're kind of a little bit jumping in and out. Oh, I think here. my Wi-Fi is a little crazy today. You, anyway, was, about this, about that. <laughs> but, so, but about that sales job, what were you saying? I won every, every competition in the sales job because I was talking so there people you go. in to buy and stuff. So there you go. So to me, what it looks like, your interpersonal tiger is enormous. Your, you here, your um, entrepreneurial tiger is also really big. That's why uh, the, the selling stuff is going to appeal to you. The providing tiger is not nearly as big, which is why in that situation, you weren't getting the joy from filling the ketchup and doing those things. But when you get an opportunity to interact with people in general, or you get an opportunity to interact with people and sell things, that's where the tigers are eating and they're more engaged and you're more successful at it. That's how to, that's how to understand like why, and this is a big question. Why is it that that resonated with your daughter, but not with you? Mm -hmm. Like, so, so here's an answer. And, and I think this idea of um, one, one is not better than another. One is, oh. not, one is not more valuable than another because each of these things has its place in the world, in society, and in fact, in your own life. So it's just probably a matter of looking at it. Kristen and I always say your brilliance is your gift to the world. So it's a matter of looking at it and saying what, acknowledging this is my brilliance. This is where I can contribute. Absolutely. And then, you know, when other people are contributing, you kind of step back and go, yay, I don't have to do that. <laughs> Right. Listen, if, if everybody had the same, let's call them, you know, the same big tigers or something like that, how, what a boring world it would be. Part of the, part of the fun and the mystery of life and the, the great challenge of life is figuring out what our tigers are, figuring out the place where we can show up and we can deliver something that's of value to, to the world. And to me, and from what I what I studied in India over all those years, that's really what it was about. That these tigers have a social function. They are the things that we that give us a value to the others in in our world. And the unique combination that we have, they, they're kind of like chess pieces, or I don't know how how we might look at them. But you've got some have the big providing, some have a small entertaining, some have a big you know medium sized uh, protective. Your unique set of these qualities, what I call a nature with a big N. So that's what, that's what your uniqueness is. And there's this really great quote that I wanted to share with you that comes out of the Vedas, the this like you know, texts that are like thousands of years old. And it says that there's not a letter that cannot be made into a mantra. There's not an herb that cannot be made into a medicine. And there is not a person without a quality. But the rare thing is finding that quality and bringing it out. So the kind of work that, 
that you're doing, I see you doing with your workshops and your materials, is that you're, you're sort of like finding that, the, helping each person to find their u- uniqueness, what makes them, what makes them um, unique and c- contribute to the world, something, something that's valuable. And that's why we love to celebrate, not that we celebrate the sucker punches in life and the setbacks, but celebrating what the opportunity is that they bring to be able to, when everything is kind of stripped away and you really got to figure out how you're coming back. When you come back with that growth mindset of knowing your tigers, knowing who you need to, whose tigers need to be on your team. Like you come back so much, so much more impactful and bigger and better. Yeah. And I think you're clearer too. You're clearer on this is my space. And, and I, you know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about this, about how everybody having their own tigers. I personally, and I'm sure most people do get real joy out of watching other people share their tigers. I mean, who doesn't watch like a concert pianist who is, that's just their place and watch them and go, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I think when you become aware of your gifts, maybe you can also appreciate that. And in fact, look for that in other people who might not be as aware of their own gifts. And these are, these are the opportunities where, you know, if you're in an office or you're working with the team or whatever, you can say to somebody, you are really brilliant at X, Y, Z. And that person might be kind of, you know, people think again, if it's not requiring great hard work, it's, it's not worthwhile. When in fact, if somebody says to them, this is your gift, like this is what you can help us all with. It's validating for the entire society. And I really liked how you said these tigers have a social function. I I love that because it all, it proves how we're all interconnected. And if we're all feeding our own tigers and feeding other people's tigers, then we all, we all rise to create this really powerful pack. That's leadership. To me, that's what, what great leadership is about. It, whether it's a uh, someone in HR or it's a team leader, an organizational leader, being able to see these qualities and then to bring them together and allow each person to be able to feed their own tigers. It, this It's it's an, a science and it's an art. And when that's happening, I like the, what you've just said now, which is how that enables you to understand and to appreciate other people's uniqueness. For me, what that does is that creates compassion that allows me to see that once I realize that, once I realize I'm not competing with other people, that I I am perfect, I have everything that I need to contribute something of value to the world. I've met thousands of people over the years. I've guided them, students up to um, people in their in their 90s. And I am yet to find somebody who didn't have something that they could offer to the world. And in, in saying that, what I mean to say is like, you don't feel that pressure of having to be like somebody else yes. or to be something that you're not. And when you can be yourself, when you can be situated in yourself and love the, love the tigers that you have to be accepting of them, that, that gives you this feeling of contentment. And then you can look at other people in, in a, an appreciative way to, to see, like, I have a guy who'll come to my house and he does carpentry work here. And I, I'm just in awe of, of how he does stuff that to him might seem really trivial. And I've got a great appreciation for that 
I also recognize that when I'm in my my area, that I can do really, really cool stuff. And so some people are like, wow, that, that's like Jedi stuff that you're pulling off there. <laughs> so I recognize that I have my little space in the world where I get to be a Jedi and other people, other people have theirs. And that creates um, greater understanding, less conflict, more compassion, more harmony, so on and so forth. So yeah, and more people to do other stuff that you don't have to do. Like that's the brilliance of it to me too. Like call on, you don't have to take on everything and you shouldn't because yes. in order for things to be done really, really well and effectively, you want to get the people whose brilliance works in the areas that you need. You don't want to necessarily be taking on stuff, as you said, and doing it half-assed just so you can be the lone wolf. I love yeah. that. Stephen, this has been just an amazing conversation. And, you know, Kristen and I are constantly tweaking and refining everything that we talk about. And you've given us so many new and really interesting ways to look at the concept of brilliance and resilience. So I thank you so much for that. Tell everybody where they can find you. Sure, sure. Um, you can find me on feedyourtigers.com. We'll keep it simple. You'll find everything that you need to get to me to find out more about the tigers, uh, to find out about your tigers. So all that stuff is there. And I just want to say thanks. I've, I've had fun chatting with you guys. Good stuff. We've had a good time too. So if you all are, you've got a ton of info about, about your brilliance and your tigers today. If you need more on your reset and rise, go to brilliantlyresilient.net and make sure that you sign up to get our number one tool, the wildly popular brilliance bit that comes right to your email inbox once a week with a, a quote and a, and a one minute deep dive from each of our guests that will keep you living brilliantly resilient all week long. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.